You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. An anti-vaccine group has placed dozens of billboards in the greater Toronto area claiming vaccines are risky and that children don't need immunizations to attend school. This, as we have seen a number of measles outbreaks here in North America, resulting from this growing or this anti-vaccine movement, which doesn't seem to be stopped by more and more evidence that uh, they are completely out to lunch. So this particular group, Vaccine Choice Canada, has four different images rotating on 50 digital billboards in the GTA, including outside the Eaton Centre. Measles, of course, can be dangerous to everybody, especially to babies who are too young to be vaccinated and to vulnerable older people. So is this about free speech, free expression of your ideas, or should we as a society somehow put a stop to this? I'd like to know your thoughts. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll free. 1-866-744-740. And right now, let's go to family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel and Joe Mehevic, a former city councillor and former chair of the Board of Health. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Uh, Dr. Gorfinkel, uh, w- what do you make of this? What, what do you think when you see this? I'm dismayed because I believe that what we're seeing is a very small minority who happen to have a little money in their pockets and are trying to be vocal with it. And I'm sorry about that because if you look at the science of vaccines, it saves millions of lives every year. And I'm not talking about vaccines as a whole. I'm talking about each individual vaccination saving millions of lives every year. You know, so this is in the face of a huge scientific body and a huge scientific and epidemiologic effort that shows the saving of millions of lives every year. I, it, it breaks my heart. Joe Mihevic, it it's been brought up that perhaps these type of billboards should be outlawed. Does the city have tools to deal with anything like that? Uh, not really. It is unfortunate that uh, that they are up, of course. Uh, and the only the the good part of this, perhaps, is is that the community conversation is now happening again. And maybe that's the that's the lesson here is is that every generation has to learn and relearn that vaccinations are an important part of, frankly, uh, a modern society. You know, Libby, a hundred years ago, do you know what the uh, the expe- life expectancy was for the average Canadian? It was 47 years old. Today, it is 82 years old. Now, some of it is just because of uh, better nutrition, better housing, better working conditions. But probably the biggest difference between uh, that caused this increase in life expectancy from 47 to 82 is the introduction of vaccines. That's how important they are to the health of, uh, of Canadians. And that's why uh, we need to have that community conversation now as urgently as ever so that we maintain what they call herd immunity so that we as a people uh, can really uh, fight back on these diseases that we don't want to uh, have come back into our, into our uh, human population. Well, they, and they are coming back, and they were 
eradicated. And Dr. Gorfinkel, who is most at risk here? Well, unfortunately, I'm glad Joe mentioned herd immunity. Nowhere in Canada do we have herd immunity. Nowhere. The best province in Canada is vaccinated at a rate of about 92%. And that's Quebec. Go Quebec. Ontario, we're at like 91%. Herd immunity only kicks on at 95%. So we're well below that. And if you look at some of the outlying provinces, outlying, the have-nots, unfortunately, Nunavut, what do you think their vaccination rate is? It's like 65%. It's not just bad, it's horrible. So we need to do way, way better before we can invoke the benefits of herd immunity. And what happens is we have patients coming from, not patients, population people coming from areas in which measles is endemic. And that includes the Philippines. That includes certain countries within Africa where we're seeing huge numbers of cases. So they get off the plane, bringing that disease into our communities. And if we don't have herd immunity, if we don't have enough people vaccinated, there will be an entire group of individuals who are at risk of the disease and at risk dying of the disease. So if measles is a case in point, measles makes people extremely sick when they get it. We call it cough, conjunctivitis, coplic spots. These are spots in the red of the mouth, in the, in the roof of the mouth, and they spread to the rest of the body. So that doesn't sound so bad, although it's a horrible disease to have, but one in 1,000 will experience death as a result of it. Most of those could die of pneumonia, and we see a concentration of deaths in the very young and in the very old, and that's concerning because these are people who may have waning vaccination efficacy. In other words, the vaccine, it's just not as effective as it had been at one time, but the very fact of the matter is we have to get vaccination rates very, very high in this country. And were the vaccination rates higher? Were, were they higher prior to when? What, prior to question? now. Um, I think Ontario specifically is doing an amazing job of getting vaccinations because it's mandatory here. So people in my practice bring in forms every day. Oh, my child's going to be pulled from school unless they have this vaccination, and usually it's by tomorrow. So that's fine. So they get the vaccinations. So here there's not choice. It's either you're not going to go to school if you don't have it. But for those provinces that say, you know what, this is your choice. You have to figure it out. You, you know, it's, it's that kind of an, that kind of attitude that leads to lesser vaccinations. And it's not always for scientific reasons. A lot of the time it's for very personal reasons on the part of the parent who wants to assert an independent kind of thought. Well, you know, even uh, people say, I, I, you know, know people who are uh, naturopaths and they say, oh, we don't vaccinate. Uh, we have other methods. Uh, Joe Mehevic, you know, it is mandatory for children who want to go to school, but should it be mandatory for people in certain jobs? Would that take care of it? No, I, I think we're we're looking at really achieving, as as was said, uh, herd immunity. Um, you know, the World Health Organization has identified what they call vaccine hesitancy as a threat to health. So, and I think what people are doing is they're confusing, and all of us, you know, there's this big public conversation happening uh, with naturopaths and people who want to lead a healthy, more, call it organic uh, life, um, that they don't want their body um, filled with uh, with different chemicals that are that are not uh, natural. And I think that 
that has caused a kind of crossover into vaccinations. And what we need to do is uh, educate Torontonians, Canadians better that we're talking about a very different reality here with vaccines. Vaccines are that which keep you healthy and will lead, will help you lead a long and good life. Um, it is possible to get off of a vaccine in the case of Ontario. They just, they just need a special form signed and, and th- those children can, uh, can actually avoid a vaccination. They used to come to my office to sign the, those forms and before I would sign anything, I would give them a long speech on why they might want to reconsider that as, a, as an and option. What were the reasons they would give you? Well, they would, uh, personal, they don't want to fill their child with, uh, chemicals, um, um, that they, that they, more, it's more this kind of naturopathic uh, way of uh, seeing how they were going to promote their children's uh, health. And these were all very often very well educated and very well meaning, and of course, very uh, well meaning people. But that's where I think we as a public health community need to get our act together. And I'm sure the medical officers of health across Ontario will pull something together to say that, you know, uh, vaccines are really part of the solution. They're, they're not part of this uh, issue of the, of the uh, you know, overprescription um, that, uh, that we are seeing. You know, what's absolutely interesting about how you were describing the anti-vaxxers coming into the office. First, I want to emphasize that this is not just a small minority. It is a very small minority of individuals. So it's, it's not a lot of people to begin with. They happen to have some dimes in their pocket right now, but that aside, I'm disappointed to see where that money is being spent, to think how it could be helping the homeless, to think how that same money could have gone into the pockets of people who are in desperate and in real need of services. So I'm disappointed about that. But having said that, when when that rare person does, in fact, come into my office, I like to break it down and, and actually, hard to believe the way I'm talking, but listen to what they're saying. What are your fears? Are the fears based on the immediate, the immediate side effects of vaccination, which can include redness and soreness at the site? Is that what they're afraid of? It's natural to have some fear around that. Or is it more the more the later effects, including fever or you know irritability? Does that bother you? Is this not the right time to have those side effects in your life, or is it the longer term side effects? And if in fact they're saying, well, you know what, I don't trust it in the long run. If that's the fear, then I like to pull out the stat, the statistic that 8.5 million vaccinations were given in 2017. And we saw three and one million having any serious adverse events at all. And I like to tell them, I'm here for you. If you have any worries, if you have any concerns, you're going to call me and I'm going to be here for you to look after your child. And that child will have the best medical care we can provide. Okay, Iris, hang on. Uh, We have to let Joe go. Joe, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? No, and just for further to the doctor's point of the serious reactions, the serious reactions, the vast majority of them were vomiting and diarrhea of the very, very small three in a million that actually had a serious reaction. So, so that's the point that we need to get out is that, is, is that vaccinations are not harmful to your health. There are the chances of a severe side effect, vomiting, diarrhea is so minor. But the health benefits, not just for you, but it's also for the community that you live and work with, is absolutely important. We need to get that message out. That's a task 
that the Ontario public health community needs to seize itself of in the next few years. And I know that they are doing it. They were doing it while we were, while I was uh, sitting as uh, the chair of the Board of Health. I so appreciate that, Joe. To bring to life what three and one million means. I've been in full-time practice, 27 years, general practice, vaccinating children every day. I have never seen a serious adverse event from any vaccination. I have never seen a hospitalization as a result of a vaccination. Like to give a person a sense of what does three and one million mean? And contrast that with measles, where one in 1,000 children with measles will die from the disease. Okay, Joe, I know you have to go. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. Iris, hang on, and we are going to take a call from Verna near Hamilton. Hi, Verna. Hi, Libby. Um, I was just uh, curious, as children, and I got mine and my kids got their vaccination, but as we get older, do you need them again? Dr. Gorfinkel? Um, It depends on the vaccination, and that's beyond the scope of this talk. But what I would suggest to do is see your doctor and take any vaccination information that you have from what you've received in the past to your doctor so your doctor can take a look at it and advise on what vaccinations are necessary. For over 50, just really briefly, we recommend Shingrix. The pneumonia shot in certain instances updates on the regular vaccinations, including tetanus, potentially measles, mumps, and rubella. Yeah, and because uh, are you aware, Verna, that if you've had measles, that puts you at risk for shingles? No, as an I, got older... the shing- I did get the shingles shot, and in all honesty, I don't even remember what childhood. Uh, I mean, I'm 70, and I don't even remember. <laughs> I know I got my vaccinations, but... I couldn't. I can't remember having. I'm sure I had chickenpox. I think I remember having mumps on one side, kind of thing. And you know, it's interesting for Zoomers. It's so easy to let vaccinations go by the wayside. And what I suggest is just simply make an appointment to talk about vaccines and nothing else, because you know how it is. You get into your doctor, and we start high blood pressure, cholesterol, <laughs> thyroid. There's a million things: the elbow, the toe, the toenail. I mean. <laughs> So the idea is, okay, can we do better in terms of vaccinations? And I believe we can, but we we do have to prioritize it. So just make an appointment. This is my vaccine appointment. <laughs> okay. Uh, and just another question then, do they charge now? If you're a senior as opposed to being a kid, you'll get them before you go to school. Do they charge now? Um, depends on the shot. Most vaccinations are, in fact, covered. Unfortunately, the Shingrix is not. The new Prevnar 13 is not. However, the Pneumovax, which is, those are both shots against pneumonia, those, one is covered, one is not. Mm. So basically, we've got a system which offers not just good coverage, but exemplary coverage for the vast majority of diseases. Unfortunately, shingles is one of those exceptions. We have Zostavax between 65 and 70, which is not quite as effective as the newer Shingrix, not nearly as effective as the new Shingrix, which is 97% effective. But you have to pay for Shingrix. Well, I don't know what I got, but thankfully it was free, and the doctor called and said, would I like to get it? There was a window of time when it was... Yeah, uh, yeah, before your 70th birthday. Verna, thanks for your call. All right, thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay, well, I, you know, um, for me, this whole uh, anti-vaccine thing, I, I'm just outraged because it is, is so dangerous to other people. I've heard stories about, you know, 
tiny babies, you can't get the vaccine until you're a year old, who are put at risk or made ill because somebody uh, either believes in the nonsense about vaccines causing autism or, uh, as Joe was saying, has this idea that, uh, you know, they don't want anything, quote, unnatural in their child's body. You know, while it's so easy to judge these parents, I tell you, my heart actually went out to the parents whose children died of preventable diseases. Because can you imagine the kind of regret attached to that? That regret is massive, unremitting, and not consolable. What do you say to somebody? I decided not to vaccinate my child against a preventable disease and then lost my child to that preventable disease. Did Have you encountered people... With that I've story? never seen it. I've never seen it, but those people existed. They existed in every place where there's been serious outbreaks, where, they, where we've seen deaths from preventable diseases. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because these undoubtedly were well-meaning people, but they made decisions in the face of scientific evidence that is irrefutable. Like there's no question, vaccinations, each one saves millions of lives a year. Well, it's it's interesting, you know, I think it's part of something bigger where, uh, you know, partly because people are in their own little worlds on the internet, that they just don't believe certain things. It doesn't matter if there's huge science behind it, you know, they have their own idea. I think there is something to that. And I also think that there's an allure, almost a, a sexual attraction, if you will, to, to being called different. I'm different. I'm unique. I, I looked at the information, and I'm so much better than the information. I came to my own conclusions, that, that sense of North American independence. And it's so misguided. If only that energy would go into places of genuine need. How about all those elders who are at home alone? How about visiting one of them? How about food banks? Just, How so about the what, SPCA? What what are you are you suggesting the money and it's interesting the the group behind these billboards thank their donors. They have plenty of donors or are you talking about the extra money we'll have to plow into education to get people I'm talking to do about this. the people who actually made a conscious decision to devote their time and energy at whatever level to an anti-vaccination campaign as opposed to something that is in true and genuine need. That's something that's damaging to people, you know, to suggest that vaccinations could potentiate any kind of harm. It doesn't. It's the diseases that potentiate a great deal of harm. And I'm just, I'm just lamenting aloud and ranting that it's unfortunate that these individuals are not devoting those same degree of resources to something that genuinely could benefit from it. Well, I, I appreciate your rent. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 